Do you want to talk about it, Cam? No, I mean, like, do, do we want to talk about it? Because that was, that was painful. Like, really painful last night. 5-2 in the eighth. And my guy, Luke Jackson, who I've been a staunch supporter of, he's had a great season so far. You knew as soon as Cody Bellinger walked up. The way the stadium started to hype up a little bit, they've been quiet the whole game. You have a 5-2 lead. Luke Jackson's out there, and it gets a little sketchy. You start walking people. And that has been the the worst part of the performances so far in the NLCS have been all the walks from this Braves team. You're able to come back from another first-inning two-run bomb. You take that 5-2 to two lead. Adam Duvall looks great. And then you go with Luke Jackson, which everyone's like, why don't you throw Tyler Matzik in either one of those situations? I think prior to that game, he had pitched in every single postseason game so far for the Braves. So you have to eventually go to other arms. But, man, Cody Bellinger absolutely massacred that baseball. And he is becoming – him and Seager are becoming certified Braves killers. Huh. It was, that, was, that, was, that was painful. And then, of course, you bring in Jesse Chavez. And Jesse Chavez against Mookie Betts, who might like right now be the hottest player in baseball outside of Kiki Hernandez. Like, I don't know if there's any play, like, very many players in baseball you want to see less in a clutch situation than Mookie Betts coming to the plate because you know he's going to do something with the ball. You're not going to strike him out. He's going to put the ball in play, and typically he's going to get on base. So Jesse Chavez against Mookie Betts didn't really feel fair. Mookie Betts hits one over Jock Peterson's head, takes the lead, close out the Braves in the ninth. Kenley Jansen looked filthy. And so you go, I know, listen, I'm not the only one. I know everybody else out there listening right now in the eighth inning was like, oh, Braves taking a 3-0 lead. I was about to send you a message last night saying, uh-oh. But I I didn't want to jinx it, and then they ended up losing. You and thought it. No, nah, I mean, I, I thought it. You see it's 5-2 in eighth inning. You're like, okay, you know, the Braves have a chance. You know, they have a chance to win this game. And next thing you know, you know, same thing as last year, like you said, down 2-1. And you, you don't feel too comfortable right now. Ben and I were actually watching the game together, and it was 5-2. to two, And we were both still really nervous. And I looked at Ben and I go, what would the score need to get to for you to feel comfortable? And he was like, nine or ten to two. Yeah. And that wasn't yeah. too far off. Yeah. It's a lot of um, firepower in this playoffs. We saw the Astros do it last night, score seven in one inning. So, I mean, these teams, the Astros and the Dodgers, they're the cream of the crop. Uh, we know they could light up the scoreboard in the instant in just one inning, and it showed last night. I think what hurts more than anything is – the fact that you waste such a good performance, and it see, it sounds weird to say it, but it really was. Like Charlie Morton was on. He had one bad pitch. Mm-hmm. He had a rough first inning, but he had one bad pitch for that, that two-run home run, right? And you're down 2-0, but then you get five innings out of him. You look really good, and you're up 5-2 to in the eighth with a chance to go up 3-0. Yeah, you go up like 3-0, that, the series done. Well, it's not done. Like We've seen the Red Sox come back and beat the Yankees, and like it's it ain't done. Yeah. It's, it, if we've seen Atlanta sports, nothing is ever done until it's done. So, yeah. I'm not willing to say that, but you you look at where you were in the eighth inning, and you are six outs away from going up 3-0. Mm-hmm. And so, we all started thinking about it. But now, it feels like the momentum has completely gone the other way. I'm going to say this. I don't think 
the Braves win in seven without taking one of these games. Oh yeah, tonight's like, a must you can't, win. You can't go down three two. Yeah, I, I'm I not gonna say tonight tonight's is. a most win because the Braves have a probably gonna go with a bullpen game. It might be a must win because I mean that momentum swing from last night. Uh, I think it might be a must win because if you go two two now, the Dodgers feel like it's even. It's back zero zero. Braves take a three one lead. At least you got cushion and room for error to lose a game, go up 3-2, and see what you can do game six and seven. So if I'm the Braves, obviously you want to win every game, but definitely tonight I think just go all in on tonight and see what game five, six, and seven leave you. I, I do think there has been a little bit different of an attitude from Brian Snitker where it felt like last year you put Kyle Wright in, in game three and he gives up, what, seven runs in the first inning? Mm-hmm. Like it was a different mindset, right? Where he's he's like, we're gonna put Kyle Wright out there. We're up two zero. It doesn't really like we can we can lose this one and still win the series. Yep. And we can give our guys some rest and kind of re- reset the rotation. It felt like he was going for it yesterday, trying to get this win. And just again, Cody Bellinger and Mookie Betts, two of the best players in baseball. And it's been a rough season for Cody Bellinger, but he's really good. Again, he's the one who sent you home last year. Mm-hmm. So I. It just it hurt. I, I want to open up the phone lines because I feel like that's the best way to get through this is just to talk it out. <laughs> 912-342-7184. I want to talk about a couple of things. Number one, was it the right decision to go with Luke Jackson there in the mm-hmm. eighth inning? Number two, this is going to be the storyline for the next 10 days. Stetson Bennett or JT Daniels? Oh, I, want, I want to talk about both those things. So 912 912- Three four two seven one eight four is the phone number. We do have our friend Anthony Trace coming up here in about ten minutes uh, from PFF. Mm-hmm. He has a lot of really nice things to say about this Georgia defense, as does everybody else. Yeah, but the thing about Anthony everybody. is he can put quantifiable numbers behind it. He just sounds he sounds a lot better than all of us. No, like, he's way smarter. Like, definitely, way smarter. Yeah, definitely yeah. way smarter. He, oh, yeah. he, he knows math a lot better than I do. I know he knows math. Simple adi- addition and subtraction is all I got. He's doing all these like the, the percentages and the grades and pi the al- and the algorithm. 3. I love 1, pi. 4. Oh, <laughs> you're talking about math. Uh, no, but like algorithms, all of that. Anthony Trace, PFF, is going to join us. But listen, it's a new day. The Braves play again. It's a it's a late pitch, like late first pitch. You got you got a post 9 p.m. first pitch, out there in Los Angeles. I know that's like just when you're waking up. Yeah. So you should much. be good. Kevin will probably be asleep by the first pitch. Nah, I mean I'll be up. I don't. I you know I stay up all night, but I'm I'm a little bit nervous for the Braves. I feel like you know I don't want this series to be knocked up two two, and you come back to Atlanta and now it's just it's even. You got to come back. Well, no, it, it'll be it's uh, they play three in Los Angeles oh, three in a row. You go see, two, that's three, not good. You yeah. go two three two. Yeah, you need. I think well, this is definitely a must win then. I, I, you got to win today or tomorrow. I say today, if you, man. If you come back to Truist down 3-2, three, two, three, two. that's going to be rough. I, I will say today because if you go up 3-1 today, you kind of have that attitude and that sense of, okay, if we drop one, okay. But, I, I mean, it's a must win in all games. It's the playoffs, duh. But if you lose today, now you're really putting a lot of pressure on your team tomorrow trying to go up 3-2 because, like you said, you don't want to come back to Atlanta um, down three two, so Braves have they have some things to work for tonight. But still, you're up two one. Still have the lead. You know, you got your fan base behind you, so it's all good. But you know, Dodger Stadium is gonna be rocking tonight. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I am 
just constantly updating the Braves Twitter feed here, waiting for that roster update uh, to see who they throw tonight. I don't know when they will announce this because again, it's a it's a it's a after nine o'clock first pitch. Nine oh eight is first pitch tonight, so we'll we'll let you know as soon as we know who the starter will be. I'm assuming it's going to be a bullpen game. I mean, with as many rough outings as he's had recently, do you throw Waskari Noah back out there? He hasn't been the same since he got into a fist fight with a wall. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens there. But again, <laughs> game four coming up tonight. Braves, as much as it doesn't feel like they do, they still have a 2-1 series lead here. They feel like the team that's down right now, though. I mean, that's how it goes, especially when you're the underdog in a series. You're playing a 106-win team, and yeah. you're an 88-win team. They now, you're, you, like are, you are the salty, nasty, in-it-together team for sure. But that's all well and good. Like, would you rather be Alabama? Because <laughs> that's who the Dodgers are. Would you rather be Alabama or Cincinnati? Because that's kind of what it feels that's, like the Braves. Nah, that, yeah, that's true. Would you rather be <laughs> Alabama or Cincinnati? So, like, yeah. you got Cincinnati, and they're 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 real hot right now, and they're flying up. But would you rather be them, or would you rather be the Dodgers? They had the game, man. Five two. You got to close that thing. Well, out. that's you the thing. When you're playing the best team in baseball, when you're playing the defending world champs, yeah, you got to close it out. They showed some championship pedigree last night. Them I mean, think about who this team just eliminated from the playoffs. They eliminated yeah, the, the team with the most wins. Yeah, 107. Championship pedigree, man. They know how to win games even under duress. So, yeah, Braves, you know, they got to get that DNA in them. Hopefully they can um, pull it off tonight. But, yeah, I don't All right. I don't know how. We got a couple minutes before we talk to Anthony Trace here. Again, we got Braves coming up a little bit later, three and out, uh, coming up next as well, starting at 3 o'clock. Right now, if you're sitting in the Georgia coach's office oh. and you're talking about we're getting ready for Florida, because uh, the news was today JT Daniels has seen his pitch count increase and he's starting to take reps again uh, with the offense. He, they said he threw between 50 and 70 passes yesterday, about 40 to 45 yards down the field on some of them, and he didn't have any pain. And so now you're going in where he's going to start seeing that workload increase in practice potentially. Don't know if it's with the ones. But he is going to see that workload increase at practice. If he's healthy and ready to go, and you're heading to Jacksonville off of a bye week, and you and Todd Munkin are sitting there talking, who are you choosing as your starting quarterback? Normally I would go JT, I would go Stetson. Um, And the only reason why I would say this is because this is the Jake from Easton treatment from a couple of years ago. Um, I, I really still thought Eason was a better quarterback, better arm, more talented, but Fromm was winning games. And Stetson, he's winning games. Don't change it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. He's winning games. He, he won games, but did he win the game? I mean, yeah, you're right. It, I mean, the game is not going to happen until they get to Atlanta. I'll put it like that, in my personal opinion. But, I mean, he just beat three straight-ranked opponents by pretty much 15-plus in all three games. And I've performed so well. many, so many – different opinions about this and just texting with people who cover the game I've gotten the comment of pretty much any quarterback for Georgia could have been in there and they would have won those games oh I agree just based with how good that defense has been yeah because that's been my kind of pushback and I'm I don't want to say this that coming off that I don't think Stetson has been good because I think Stetson has been really good and my opinion on what I just asked you is whoever you choose Mm-hmm. Going into the Florida game is the one you are sticking with for the rest of the season. That's ah. why I think this is crucial because this is a bye week. If you were going to kind of reset and get somebody back in, this is the week to do it. But if you roll Stetson out there, that's your guy. When you say it like that, now I change my um, – I mean, that's your guy. I'll change my process. I'll go JT if we're talking long term. 
Um, but I mean, you are right to the well, I mean, sense. Cam, the, the best way I can put this Florida game, and I, I will never take this game for granted because we've seen so many times where the team that wasn't supposed to win come in and win this yeah. game. Mm-hmm. Florida gave up, or Georgia's given up 46 points total this season. Mm-hmm. 46 total. Yep. They're 7-0. Mm-hmm. Florida has given up 49 points last week. Mm. Yeah. That's a that's a LSU big, big was rushing big. the ball for around 88 yards a game. They rushed They for had 200. one guy go for over 270 yeah. against Florida. Man. So like, all signs are pointing towards Georgia. I think Ryan Nanny said it uh Georgia baptizing Florida in Jacksonville. I mean, I hope so. I, I still you still respect your opponent. I, I don't know I, if yeah. it can get much worse in 2017, what 42 to 7. Yeah. Like that was rough. So I, I I will put it like this. I say when you put it like what you said um, the long-term thing. Start JT. Let him get a cup. What a good first half in. If this game is over by the first yeah. half, and then put in Stetson and see what you, you know. Well, see let's you let's go talk there. to somebody who's smarter than us. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll come <laughs> back. We'll catch up with Anthony Trace from PFF next, right here on Second Down. ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Two different locations in Savannah to take care of all of your uniform needs. Now we've been talking ad nauseum about this Georgia defense and just how good they have been. Uh, Jordan Davis all of a sudden becoming a dark horse Heisman Trophy contender. Uh, multiple NFL talents in this front seven. But, you know, we, we don't have the actual analytical background and the, the stats to back it up, can we? We just sit here and go, they're really good. That guy's really big. Yeah. That guy's really fast. So every now and then we got to bring on somebody who's way smarter than we are to tell us whether we're right or wrong. And joining us now from PFF, good friend of the show, Anthony Trace. Anthony, thanks for hopping on, man. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Of course. And just looking at this Georgia, let's just start with the front seven because I feel like defense can be a really broad term. Just starting with this Georgia front seven, have we seen anything this efficient slash dominant in the last few years? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, when you were talking just a second ago about, you know, this defense kind of looking like a special one, they have been statistically. I mean, you look at some of the, the grades they're doing and how they're defending the pass. I mean, they're strong in coverage, but they're also strong up front. Uh, you know, that's a big testament to the kind of athleticism they have on the line, especially at all-fall linebacker with Kobe Dean leading the way. I mean, some of the blitzes and stunts that they can dial up because of the athletes that they have. I mean, the quarterback has no time to throw. And you're seeing some, I mean, really record numbers in, the, in terms of the PFF college era, what we've seen against the pass. I mean, they're allowing the, the lowest EPA per pass play that we've ever seen um, in our eight years of grading college football, the highest coverage grade. And, you know, a big thing with that is that, again, they're not getting a lot of clean pockets. And if it is a clean pocket, it's because they're getting the ball out, you know, in around two seconds, and it's usually around the line of scrimmage. I mean, you look at what happened just this past week against Kentucky. It's exactly what happened. I mean, Will Levis completed a lot of passes. They're all around the line, line of scrimmage. Um, and, you know, and they, of course, Georgia defense with how fast they are at nearly every position, you know, they, they fly to the ball and they stop, get a defense to stop pretty quickly. So, I mean, it's really in every, every single position group. I mean, this Georgia defense is putting up really historic numbers in our database. Now you look at just the individual players along that defensive line. Obviously, it starts with Jordan Davis, but Jalen Carter, uh, Devonta Wyatt, guys like that, Adam Anderson. I know a lot of people have very highly graded in their draft classes. With that, with that front line right there, who are the names that really stand out to you, and how good have they been? Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, I think everybody really stands out. The one in particular that stands out is Jalen Carter. I mean, that guy is putting up, you know, I, I think just absurd numbers. Um, you know, for his age, he actually won uh, a spot on PFF's team of the week this past week. Um, you know, he's been their, one of their highest graded players overall. 
Um, you know, but really it's kind of hard to pick, you know, a, you know, one player in particular that's been better than the off just because they've all been really dominant their own way. Um, and really the one thing that really kind of comes out is that all of them have just like I kind of alluded to earlier, just, you know, Uber athletes, um, you know, for their size, um, you know, so there's, they're all very special and talented players, but I got to go back to Jalen Carter as being, you know, the most dominant, you know, considering just arrived at Georgia's campus not too long ago, but he's not even an every down player, um, you know, averaging just over 20, 25 snaps a game. He has an elite, almost an elite PFF grade for the season, a grade above 80.0. It gets the run in as a pass rusher, and he's consistently been a dominant player week in and week out. Actually has, I believe it's above 70.0 PFF grade in every single game played, and that is very, very, very rare to see. Um, especially at the SEC level. So I, I think he's definitely been the top performer. But, you know, they've all been top performers, that's for sure. Um, Anthony, is there any weaknesses in this Georgia defense? Um, what's one thing you think that could create issues um, for them on the defensive end? Ooh, I mean, that's, a, that's a really tough question. And I think it would be really nitpicky, if anything, um, just because I don't think that there are really that many flaws. Um, you know, I do think that, you know, Keely Ringo, he has put up some really good numbers. Every once in a while, he has, you know, kind of showed his inexperience starting on the outside, has got beat, but luckily the quarterback overthrew it because this pressure in his face, that kind of did help. So, you know, I, I don't even, I think if anything, maybe that spot, but he's been exceptional for a first year starting outside corner. I mean, again, this guy didn't even play last year's first year on campus. This is first year on the field. So you can expect him to get beat every once in a while. Um, and so I wouldn't even be that concerned about it. There's really, not that many flaws to think of, you know, with this Georgia defense. It, it really, you know, at the beginning of the year, those first few games, it looked like, oh, there's really no concerns with the defense. It's really all has to do with the offense. And that was a really big concern. But really, over the last few weeks, I don't think I'm concerned anymore about the offense side of the ball. I think Todd Monken's really found his footing, um, you know, with the way he's kind of you know, designing plays and play calling. And some of the, you know, the offense and the scheme, you know, by design, it's been a little bit different than in recent years. And I think Stephen Bennett kind of helped him there. And I think he's, he is the right man for the starting job for the remainder of the season, um, even if JT Daniels, you know, becomes healthy in the coming weeks. So, kind of going back to your original question, you know, if I had to pick one, um, you know, Keely Ringo's inexperienced, but he's getting that experience now. He's getting better each week. So, I, I wouldn't even think that's that big of a concern. I think this is as close to as a perfect of a defense that we've seen, you know, in college football in recent memory. And I think, you know, I have kind of, after watching that Kentucky game in particular, I kind of came away with that. Like, I think we're going to be talking about this Georgia defense for many, many decades, kind of in referring to them as one of the best defense, if not the best defense in you know, college football history, kind of like we do at the NFL level with the 1985 Chicago Bears. I mean, that's how special this group really is. Wow. Uh, and flipping over, I want to go back to something you talked about right there because we were uh, kind of speaking on this in the previous segment. The news kind of matriculating out of Athens today is that JT Daniels is healthy. Uh, he's seen his pitch count go up, and obviously you have the bye week this week getting ready for Florida. Uh, but one of your colleagues, Brent Rollins, he, he tweeted out on the 17th, uh, there are two FBS QBs with passing grades that are above 85 and rushing grades that are higher than 80. Matt Corral, who is a lot of people's leading candidate for the Heisman Trophy, and Stetson Bennett. Uh, it's, it's wild to see that because I'll be the first to admit, he has dramatically improved from last season, and he's really hitting on some of these deep balls here. But I think the one drawback is a lot of people are saying uh, with inside of this offense, a lot of people could do that. Is that something you see, or is Stetson Bennett really that good? No, I, I mean, I do think that Stetson Bennett's a good college quarterback. Now, is he like an elite one? I wouldn't go as far as that. Um, yeah, I still think, you know, Matt Krause 
you know, far superior as far as talent goes. But I do think Stetson Bennett's the right man for the offense they have led, and I'm right there with you. He has been vastly improved, you know, year over year compared to what we saw from him in 2020. Um, he's just so much more confident and composed. But like you said, the deep ball has been the biggest thing. I mean, you look at what he's, you know, the offense he's in there. It's pretty favorable. They run a very high rate of play action passes, um, you know, from heavier uh, personnel packages, a lot of multi-tight end usage. Um, so very condensed formations, and it's really opening up, you know, throws downfield for Stetson Bennett. But that's not to say you can't throw into a tight window. I mean, we've seen it multiple times. We saw it um, just this past week against Kentucky. He had multiple big time throws in that game. Um, and so you kind of look at what, you know, some of the open throws he's creating and the talent that he has at his disposal. I mean, he's probably in one of the best situations in college football, I'd say. But he's making the most of the opportunity. He's not making mistakes. You know, he's delivering accurate passes in a timely manner, making the right decisions. Um, and, you know, you look at what they've done. You know, I, just a minute ago I referred to their play-action usage. It's actually gone up about 16% year-over-year to the 10th highest rate of Power 5. And actually when they you know, use play-action with Stetson Bennett at quarterback, they have the most efficient offense in college football. And so I think that's kind of a testament to not only Stetson executing the, the process, but the talent they have around him and Todd Mocking designing this offense because he's been an exceptional play caller this year. I think, you know, Georgia's defensive dominance has kind of overlooked the strides the offense has made over the last few weeks. Um, and so, kind of going back to you know the original question, I think Stetson Bennett, he's a very good college quarterback, um, and I think we kind of have, they're seeing his ceiling now. But that, that's totally fine because if, if he sustains this level of play throughout the rest of the year, uh, I, I don't think anyone's beating Georgia because you know if anyone's going to put up points on Georgia, it's going to be very few points, and it's going to be on a fluky play, probably with an athletic quarterback doing something outside the structure of the offense that, on, a, on a broken play. Um, and I think that's the only way Georgia's defense is really going to get beat multiple times in one single game. And at that point, I think Georgia has the offense now where they can be okay with that, or as opposed to, you know, week one against Clemson, it didn't look like they really had that offense. Anthony Trace, PFF, joining us here. And you talked about the talent and uh, and kind of in glowing terms, which I think is well-deserved, but it is kind of funny when you sit back and look and say Georgia's Leading receiver right now is Lad McConkey, a freshman walk-on, and then their leading pass catcher at the tight end position is a true freshman from Napa Valley in Brock Bowers. You you are missing so much talent uh, across this offense, and you got a lot of it back when you got Darnell Washington, but you're still missing George Pickens. Jermaine Burton has not been healthy for significant portions. Dominic Blaylock uh, hasn't been able to make his way back out on the field. Kyrus Jackson still isn't going at 100%. When you look at this Georgia offense and how efficient it's been, it's really been because you've had some guys who not a lot of people were talking about at the beginning of the year really step up and play really well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's a scary thought, right? I mean, this this offense could be so much better than really what you know they're at right now. I mean, because of all those injuries that you mentioned, I think Brock Bowers, you know, he was not expected to have a significant role, especially, you know, mid-summer when you had – you know, Darnell Washington, and then at the time, presumably Eric Gilbert, who hasn't been with the team. Um, but, you know, he's already looked like, I, I would say, the best tight end in college football. I mean, what he's doing as a true freshman, you know, it, it's not just rare for a true freshman. It's really rare to see, you know, at, by a tight end in general at the SEC level. I mean, he's the highest graded power five tight end, most productive on a yards per route run basis. And, you know, I think he, he doesn't even look like a true freshman out there. He looks like a legit star tight end. And that's, you know, very encouraging for, you know, Georgia fans in general over the next few years you make to be able to say that you have this guy in your book for certain for the next couple of years um, after this because like I said he's, he's already a star I think he's the best tight end in college football he's had the speed the explosiveness the ball skills are already there which is you know with the first year tight end that's usually the one thing that they don't have 
you know, quite polished off yet, but it, it's already there for Brock Bowers. Um, and I think he's definitely been, you know, the engine of this offense. I mean, you could see it from the stats perspective. And, of course, like you mentioned, Vlad McConkey, uh, you know, that's definitely, you know, been a, a surprising performer as well. So, uh, you know, while they do have talent there, like I alluded to, I, I mentioned earlier, um, you know, it has been surprising talent at that. And, you know, hopefully if you can get some of these, you know, injured guys back and fully healthy, you know, I'm excited to see Darnell Washington continue you know, to get some reps there um, after missing those first few games with an injury. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think this Georgia offense is really just scratching the surface of what they can be from an efficiency perspective, and that's only encouraging when, you know, talking about national title aspirations for Georgia. There you go, Anthony Trace from PFF. Anthony, tell the people where they can find your stuff. Yeah, over at PFF.com, we actually had a top 10 true freshman article drop. And, of course, Brock Bowers, like I just hyped him up, he's number <laughs> one there. Um, but we have all kinds of stuff, too. We have our PFF College Football Live show that goes, live at 11 a.m. Eastern every Friday on our YouTube channel and on Twitter at PSF, so be sure to check that out. They really do a great job over there. Anthony, I really appreciate the time, man. Thanks for hopping on. Of course. Thank you, guys. we got more to come here on Second Down. Can we have a, a surprise guest coming up after this? We'll take a commercial break here. We'll be right back after this. Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source, Christian Gokel, alongside Cam Urshry. And this next part is going to feel oh so right to say as Cam brings him up, and as he stands up, this is perfect. Cody Queen joining us here on second down, looking mighty, mighty hairy there, Cody, <laughs> since you moved out. Mighty homeless. I like I like looking homeless. Uh, not homeless, but you are unemployed right now, which is fun. But I mean, that's what you can do when you when you get those those government paychecks from all that time in the military. But I mean, the guy Cam who sat in that chair. For so many years, and now he's gone again, and now he's back again. He's back. He's back. It's the last minute. It's the last minute thing. Uh, well, Cody, I, I just want to remind you before we start diving too far into this. Uh, this is on the actual radio, so no cursing. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. <laughs> Cody's got one of the more creative vocabularies I've ever heard. So we got that going. But no, I wanted to bring you on because yeah. number one, you have a standing invitation to be on the show whenever you want to. Uh, but number two. Somehow, some way, because I know he ain't doing research, Cody Queen is smoking all of us. Yeah, he is. In college football <laughs> picks right now. How are you doing it? Every year, dude. What, last year was the first year I didn't win. Two years before that, two in a row I won. It's, uh, you guys suck. That's what, that's what it is. is that, <laughs> that, that must be mainly what it is. I mean, what, what goes into your research process? I send out the picks every week, uh, the 10 games that we pick from. We do it against the spread. My favorite thing has become, because BJ has been right a few times about these, but he still gets roasted. BJ will never take the huge point spread, so a lot of times he's like picking teams like UAB or Kentucky against Georgia. And my favorite thing is just all the people dragging him on Instagram because they don't read against the spread and they just think BJ's wrong. So that's my favorite part. But I send out the 10 games games against the spread and every week so far this season like Cody what is what is the strategy what goes into the research or do you just go mm, that team that team that's it unless they're like the bigger teams like Georgia or certain people I think as you know I've said at the beginning of the season I think Georgia's going to be a powerhouse which they are but besides that just all the other teams uh color schemes whatever ones i think is cooler you know i go with that a lot like that's why i do kansas state and stuff like that because you know if they look cool you play, you look good you play good end of it cody big fan of the purple and silver out there at kansas cody can you name one player that plays for kansas state 
Purple and so see they remind me of the purple and silver snakes on uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple. That's why I do it. No, I don't know any any players. Um, I'm gonna do the Aquarius Hatchet. I think that's from the uh, Key and Pilskit. No, I don't think he actually plays for him. Uh, again, Cody Queen, lifetime membership here as a co-host on Second Down, hanging out. If you haven't heard his voice in a while, because Cody left us. Moved down to Florida, but we still uh, we still send him our picks every week just because I guess we're, we're suckers for punishment because Cody's just down there. But it is, he's also my favorite LSU Florida fan. So last week must have been tough for you, Cody. <laughs> tore me. It tore me right here. Uh, uh, but did you? you know, it was this lost. year that you decided you were gonna you were gonna be an LSU fan for this season. Yeah, it was just a fluke. You know, I don't think we should let go of Edo. You know, I think I think we're one of the best in the West. <laughs> um, a Florida deserved the beat down, you know? So, you know, hey, go Tigers. So what do you think the score is going to be in Jacksonville? Oh, dude. Um, <laughs> 48 to 12. 48, 48 to 12. 12. So uh, we have former Florida tight end here, Ben Troop, right here standing behind me. So what, what was that score, Cody? Hey, go out, buy Ben Troop's book. It's a great <laughs> book. Been reading it. Go ahead and do it. But it's going to be 48 to 12. 48 to 12. Cody's calling it. And listen, he's like, Cody, I think he might be 14 or 15 games over 500 right now when he's picking against the spread, which is like. That's amazing. Yeah, people yeah. make a lot of money doing that in Vegas. Like, if you can hit have that hit percentage, people like sell books about how they pick games when they have that kind of hit percentages. So Cody is just absolutely decimating us right now in the picks. All right, Cody, but quickly here, before we let you get out of here, it is your favorite time of year. It is. Halloween is coming is. up. And I know you get big into the decorations in front of the house and all that, but just top of the dome, I'll give you no preparation, Cody Queen's top five Halloween movies ever. Just top five horror movies to watch around Halloween. Oh, see, I'm not a big horror movie guy. All right, look, Cody Queen's top five movies to watch around Halloween. I am a uh, one, my top five, the one that does five is The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Okay. That's a good one. And then number four, I would have to go with The Ring. That's a horrifying movie. And then the top movie. three yeah. are just kid movies. That's no, fine. My number three is The Shining. Like, Hocus Pocus has to be on there. Number two is Nightmare Before Christmas, and number one is Hocus Pocus. Is Nightmare Before Christmas a Christmas or a Halloween movie? Both. That's the same with Harry Potter stuff. They're both. Wait, Harry Potter are Christmas movies? And Halloween, yeah. Are they? Yeah. Yeah. Halloween so? and stuff like that. Yeah, they go to Hogsmeade and everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He but is, right? but the movies are like throughout the entire calendar year. No, it's just through the school year. So starts almost in the fall, and I think they start like in September. So I mean, shouldn't they be like football season movies then? It should be. It's but yeah yeah but for dorks. Yeah, so I'm just I'm failing to see how Harry Potter is a Halloween and Christmas movie. Is, just because no 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 this is a great Halloween? argument. This is a great argument it's because the wicked. Witch of the East, bro! No, we're not doing this. I'm not letting you hijack this. No, just because an event takes place in a movie doesn't mean that movie is then that event movie, right? Just because there's a Christmas scene in a movie doesn't make it a Christmas movie. Yeah, it does. Like, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. No, but um, the one with Mel Gibson is a lethal weapon. They get in a firefight in a Christmas tree yard. 
That's not a Christmas movie. Just because Christmas happens in the movie doesn't mean it's a Christmas movie. My, that's a very no. But it is a good point though because a lot of horror movies don't take place around Halloween. Even though I mean Halloween obviously does, but a lot of horror movies don't take place around Halloween. But we still watch them around Halloween. So maybe you're onto something. I don't know. You know what? You know what really irritates me? Yeah, they only release them in like April. Like, why are you releasing Halloween? They finally just released that new Halloween movie in October, but usually the horror movies and stuff like that, they're like in like the springtime. Have you watched any of the Halloween movies that have been made this millennia? No. Because, yeah, the only good ones are the 80s ones. That's like watching Joe Dirt 2. I won't do it. There's a Joe Dirt 2? Yeah, there's a Joe Dirt 2. Don't do it. (laughs) I'm not doing it. I'm protesting it. I will, yeah, absolutely never do that. Cody Queen, kind enough to take a few minutes away from his busy day here to join us on Second Down. Cody, we love you. We'll talk to you again soon. We just wanted to know how you were doing your picks, and now that we know you do it by movie colors or by school colors and movie choices, we're good. Y'all just woke yeah. me up from my nap, so I'm going back well, to Well, yeah, Cody, Cody's <laughs> going back to bed, enjoying that early retirement life. But, I mean, Cam, I miss him every day. Yeah, I mean, that's that's my guy, man. He's the one that got me here, so that's my guy forever grateful. You're so. sitting in his chair right now. Yeah, I know. But, I mean. You're like he, Snape and he's Dumbledore. Oh, Lord. I am not Snape. We're not doing that. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just putting it out there. We got more to come, though. We'll come back. We'll wrap up this edition of Second Down. Get you ready for three and out. They got a big show coming up. All that next right here on ESPN Radio. Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Got a big event coming up next Thursday. We'll be out at the Weston on Jekyll Island. So from 2 to 6 o'clock next Thursday, getting ready for the Georgia-Florida game down in Jacksonville. You can come hang out with us uh, from 2 to 6 right there at the Weston Right, like maybe ten yards from the beach. What day? What day again? That's be Thursday. Thursday. Thursday next week, Thursday. and then Friday okay. we'll be out there from two to six again. Yeah. Then immediately following that, we're gonna have the Ben Troop Florida Georgia Legend Series 2021 event. The the roster for this cam. Have you seen it? Oh yeah, I've seen the roster. Everybody tap in. Come on, you know, come out. Let's just let's you talk, know? let's talk about the roster. I'm excited. I think this is a pretty big deal. Obviously, you have Georgia Florida. Or Florida, Georgia, depending on which fan base you are. Yeah. Hall of Famer Ben Troop. Yep. It's his event. He's going to yeah, be there. He had a big old catch uh, back in 2001 against Georgia and Jacksonville. We also have Carlos Alvarez coming in. He was he or he is still the all-time leader in receptions, single-season yards, and career yards at the University of Florida. He was Steve Spurrier's. Mm-hmm number one receiver back in the day when Spurrier was back there winning a Heisman Trophy. Uh, we have DJ Jones, a member of the 1980 Georgia National Championship team, uh, came in as a quarterback, eventually transitioned to play defensive back, but DJ Jones going to be there. D. Webb, uh, former Florida DB, is going to be joining us there. Jeff Chandler, the former Florida kicker, is going to be there. Wayshawn Ely, former Georgia running back, uh, he was part of that – I don't know. Maybe you remember it finally. Maybe you don't. The black helmet, black pants game. <laughs> so Wayshawn Ely will be joining Boy, us. Uh, Brunswick native and Georgia legend Willie McClendon. Uh, his nephew, Warren, the starting right tackle for the Georgia Bulldogs right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Willie McClendon going to be joining us out there on Jekyll Island as well. So, again, the shows, second down and three and out, will be out there on Thursday, next Thursday, at the Weston on Jekyll. And then on the 29th, that Friday, we'll be out there again from 2 to 6, and you can hang out with us there and then stick around 
and watch the Legend series. These guys are going to sit at a round table, discuss the game this year, discuss stories, uh, and just trade barbs and jokes back and forth about their time in this series. We had it live in 2019, and it was really cool to see these guys go back and forth. They're like just, just legends from the game that you watched on CBS uh, for all those years at 3.30, going back and forth. We're going to hear from them, uh, and you'll have a chance to interact, get some autographs, and if you need a place to stay, I mean, I can't think of a better weekend, right? You get the tickets to the game, and for a very reasonable price, you can get a one- or two-night stay at the Weston on Jekyll. So you come down, or you come over, or you come up from wherever you are, you stay on Jekyll Island, you get to meet some of the former legends from this series, and then on Saturday morning, you drive down to the game, and it's what? From Jekyll, what? 50 minutes? Yeah, you, you don't, can't complain about yeah, 50 minutes. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right down the interstate to Jacksonville, going to the game, and you can come back, and, and you're on the water. You're, you're on beautiful Jekyll Island. So I can't think of a better way to spend that week. I mean, it's what Larry Munson said after Lindsey Scott ran that long touchdown run back in 1980. He said, there's going to be some property destroyed tonight, all those people on St. Simons and Jekyll. It's like it's, you're part of history. I'm excited. Uh, I've been watching Georgia, Florida my entire life, and I haven't really been close to the atmosphere my entire life. And for the first time, especially working, I'm going to be near that atmosphere. This yep. is the closest I'll get. So I'm definitely excited people should come out and, you know, enjoy the scenery, feel the atmosphere, because, I mean, this is a big game. And Georgia, being a Georgia fan, this is awesome. Uh, this is the first year in a while where I feel like, you know, I ain't going to say it, but you know. Cam, come on now. See, you keep, you, know. you keep trapping yourself into these little situations here. <laughs> but, again, that's coming up next Thursday and Friday at the Weston on Jekyll Island. Uh, you can reserve your rooms. There's actually – we have a link right now. Uh, you can go to on ESPNCoastal.com. Just click on the Ben Troop Legend Series uh, link there, and you'll be able to reserve your rooms for a special rate. You'll get a free uh, commemorative football that you can get signed by all the players or, you know, if you want to. You get a sign by yours truly right here. I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm uh, I'm DJ Jones or Carlos Alvarez or Ben Troop, but, I mean, if you want to put me, like, somewhere really low or, like, on the backside of the football, you know how, like, on those commemorative footballs they have, like, the white part that's meant to be signed mm -hmm. and the backside's the actual, like, football grip? If you want to, like, put me next to the barcode, that's Man, fine. You're on there. I'll, I'll sign the barcode. You're on there. Um, and if you, if you kind of, like, lick your thumb and wipe it off because yeah, you're okay. just trying to make me feel better, that's fine, too. I that's get it. Okay. I will, uh, I will be out there. I can't promise I'm doing any signing because nobody knows me. <laughs> but I will if be they're out listening there, right now, they do. Yeah, if they're listening right now, they do. But I'll definitely be out there just being a kid. Being, uh, just being starstruck? Yeah. Starstruck, being a kid. This is my first time in this atmosphere, so I'm going to definitely be a kid. I will tell you, because like, I've been doing this for a little while now. I'm not, not nearly the decades that Kevin's been doing it because uh, he's old. But it – there are still people you meet because you're supposed to be like real professional and you meet this guy and uh, you're, you're supposed to you're supposed to call the coaches by their first name because you're the professional and you're like, yeah, we are we are on equal grounds. I, I was kind I kind of grew up and I get the argument either way. I kind of grew up. You call coaches coach. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it is what it is. But like I get if you want to call Nick Saban Nick, I get that. I, know the I, whole, I can't do that. The whole yeah. Deion Sanders thing. But like there have still been a couple of times where I meet somebody and I'm like this is just really cool. Like, yeah, no professionalism. Like, hey, man, it's yeah. just it's really cool to meet you. Yeah, this happened. I, you know who else? I, I, I say, man, Maria Taylor got me, too. Oh, Maria Taylor. Oh, okay. Com I, I just completely fanboyed out. 
Fun fact, when I had the effort DJ Shockley on on 3 and now I'm like, you know, DJ, I'm just, you know, a huge fan. I had to tell him I'm a huge fan. It's, I, I, it's I DJ think, freaking Shockley. I, I, I think fan. it's fine. And if you ever lose that, then you're probably not doing the right. <laughs> yeah, you're probably not in the right business. So, I mean, it's uh, there are still people like that. You know who the one person, this is not me, like, taking shots whatsoever. But, like, if you meet the Atlanta Falcons coach, and I was, like, 18 when I met him, I was like, wow, this, is, this should be a lot. I met Mike Smith, and literally all I could think is, man, you're short. And I'm not saying that in a mean way. I just figure, like, you know, you see an NFL coach on the yeah. sideline. He's supposed to be this giant guy, and I'm kind of looking down on him. I'm like, I don't think there's Mike. any NFL coach other than maybe Belichick. Oh, if I meet Belichick, I'm going to be stumbling over my words. Yeah. Like, Belichick, in person, yeah. there's just so many things I want to ask him. Uh, but anyway, just taking shots at Mike Smith as we get out of here. Uh, apologies about that, but we got more to come. Three and out. Get you ready for game four of the NLCS coming up. BJ Bennett, Ben Troop, Kevin Thomas. If you miss any portion of our show, you can check it out on ESPNCoastal.com.